time for the July 8, 2022 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on National Chocolate with Almonds Day from the University of California at Irvine in the backyard of KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And... As always, Mm -hmm. the inventor of drought-tolerant landscaping, Mahler, the fake news dog. (laughs) He did it on himself. He came up with the idea. Well, yeah. Way to go, Mahler. I don't don't know that you... I guess he didn't tell you. What's that? He's been working on urine-tolerant... Urine-tolerant? Urine-tolerant. 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 I have a question about that. Yeah, yeah. You should be intolerant of intolerance, shouldn't you? That sounds right. Yeah. But it's, it's the dilemma. Because mm-hmm. tolerance would mean, if you were completely tolerant, mm-hmm. that you would tolerate intolerance. <laughs> wouldn't you? So. Yeah. Okay. Sounds but you good. shouldn't. You shouldn't. You should yeah. be intolerant of tolerance. Intolerance. intolerance yeah. Right. Huh. Today we'll be talking about Hampton's bladder, evaporative demand, dinosaur feathers, the celebrity peanut vendor, and more. Yeah, but first, do you like edibles, Mike? Yes. You do like edibles? Yes, but they have to be field tested. Oh yeah, I feel the same way about that. Yeah, And, and then you know if you really do like that particular edible. Either that or you have just a wee bit. Yes. You just have a wee bit and you see what goes on. Then you keep adding right. the edible steaks. Well, life is an experiment with edibles. Can be. Yeah. yeah. They can hit you hard. Yes, they can. From the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Minnesota legalized edibles. Hmm. After a Republican senator voted for the legislation bill without reading it. Senator Jim Abler said he didn't realize the new law would legalize THC edibles and thought he was just regulating existing CBD products. Mm. Yeah, I'm at that CBD. That's hard. You, your dad rubs it on his... Uh, well, I don't want to say where he rubs it, but yeah. yes, yes. He uses CBD. He uses it, yes. My dog uses CBD. Well, there you go. I mean, you could have no problems with... I could show up this morning. Mm-hmm. In fact, I might have had some this morning, yeah. and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah, no way. Could be hopped up on CBDs right now. THC, though, yeah. that's another thing. That would be different. You can kind of sense it Yeah, yeah. on someone else, and at least yeah. personally for me, yeah. I can tell the difference. <laughs> so, I mean, this, yeah. so this guy this is guy, apparently not a reader. Jim Abler. Yeah, or has yeah. a really bad staff working for him. Yeah. That's really bad. Immediately after the vote. Yeah. Abler, the guy that voted for this He enabled it. He said, that doesn't legalize marijuana. We just didn't do that, did we? (laughs) Again, I would check with his staff to see what they've been putting in his coffee. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he didn't. And uh, in answer, a Democratic state representative said, are you kidding? Of course you have. (laughs) Voted for so that was that close of a vote. He his vote really well, mattered. No, it wasn't really that close, but he was just upset. But yeah, the uh, Republican didn't even read what was going on and couldn't believe what had just happened. 
By passing the legislation, Minnesota becomes the only state in America that legalized only edibles <laughs> for recreational use. Wow. They should read up. They should try this stuff more often because that would be, yeah. in my mind, yeah. that would be the thing I wouldn't want to legalize first. For me personally. You mean rather... The first thing that I had as far as THC goes... Yeah. ...was an edible. And you got the wrong dosage. Yeah, you could be in bad shape. Or not bad shape, but you would... You could feel it a heck of a lot more and be incapacitated from, say, involving yourself with heavy machinery. Exactly. It wouldn't want to be the thing you would say, boy, I hope everybody gets a chance to experience this. Oh, yeah? Well, it... I mean, if you well, took, if you, if you, yeah, if you took too much. If you didn't. took too much, yeah. That is the problem. And it, it doesn't, because the medication will vary from person to person, depending on their tolerance, yeah. how big they are, how much they weigh. All the, there are a lot of factors involved, and it's hard. Yeah. It's more of an art, not a science, as to know what. An art. Yeah, rather than to know exactly what is. I would it. say it's a science. Well, Okay. It's a science you, you know, you, you, with an artistic different measurable things. Yeah. You can kind of right. figure it out right. what's going on there. But yeah, yeah what the dosage is, yeah. you smoke something, you can kind of tell because I think the thing is, is you feel it much right quicker. Away. Yeah. So you can. I've read this. You I've can heard dose people, yourself. People properly. have told me this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah Mahler. Yeah, Mahler told me. Yeah. Tell, tell you what. Oh, Mahler, I'm sorry to out you, but yeah, you told me all about this stuff. Have you ever been on a long distance trip, Mike, and you're you're kind of squirming because uh, you got to pee real bad, and but there's no gas station around for a long ways, and yeah, or you're stuck in traffic. Oh, yeah, it happens. Yeah, you're yeah. stuck in like, and so you like on the Santa Monica freeway at rush hour, and mm-hmm. you're in the fast lane, mm-hmm. in the diamond lane, diamond lane. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, you know, you're thinking, oh, holy, yeah, I, I gotta urinate. Yeah. And then I know the nearest gas station is doesn't even allow me in. Right. Right. Do I start knocking on doors? What do you do? What do you do? We well. What do I do? Yeah. What do you do? I mean, you, you find know, I, a tree to hide behind somewhere, or I save advertisements. Okay. <laughs> and I the one I saw just the other day. Yeah. Uh, it was called Auto John. That was the product. Oh. Auto John. Auto John. And it, it was like a, a plastic bottle, okay. and it had a tube connected to it, and then kind of a, a cupish grabbing, I don't know what you call it, prophylactic type of device that right. you'd wrap around your penis. Right. And then you could just drive forever, just presumably, and urinate at will. Sounds like something the truckers would love. Yeah. They probably have in their, in their cab. Good. Yeah, I, I could would assume do that. so. So you, but you do. It's not the kind of thing that, if you offered it to me, if we were traveling cross. No, country, no, I wouldn't do that no. unless we were both wearing them. Well, you know that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would we be kind of cool. Drive we're forever, just drinking iced tea, <laughs> yeah, drinking just iced like tea the whole time. Just the only time we have to like stop any, would yeah. be to <laughs> get more know. iced tea. Well, that, <laughs> that, yeah, from Business Insider. <laughs> Traffic, traffic, <laughs> traffic in route. 
to the Hamptons. You know that place, the Hamptons? I do know of it, yeah. Has gotten so bad, it's sending some rich New Yorkers to the doctor for a medical procedure that reduces the urge to pee so often. (laughs) Oh, my God. To combat combat Hamptons bladder. (laughs) That's what they call it. Hamptons bladder. New Yorkers are seeking a pair of specialized medical procedures, prostate artery embolization, which reduces the size of the prostate in men, and bladder Botox, which decreases urinary frequency for women. It doesn't say how, but I imagine it has something to do with expanding something. Yeah. A lot of people have problems with this issue. They come out to the Hamptons and have to stop four or five times on the way but can't find a restroom said David Shusterman, a New York urologist who's been advertising the procedures with the tagline, race to the Hamptons, not to the bathroom. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. I guess for older folks. And yeah, they have their yeah, place out. They're yeah. visiting the grandkids. Grandkids, yeah. So traffic is that bad that this is now a thing that they have yeah. to. Well, my suggestion, auto John. Yeah. That's a, yeah. You know, get some of those going on. I don't know how that works for women. Maybe there is know. an auto Joan. Auto Joan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, guess so. I don't know. Yeah. I think we should be working on it. If this news makes you feel like you need relief, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to free your spirits? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. Did you get your COVID booster? No, I haven't. Wait, wait. I did get a couple. Well, you've had three shots. Yes, I've yeah, had three. Yeah, you got yeah, one, yeah, but yeah, you haven't yeah, got the new yeah. fangled I, one. I, that's what I thought you were talking or about. Or whatever, yeah. the old fangled one at this point. Yeah, I have... I think I need another one. Well, from Scientific American, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration advised vaccine makers to update COVID booster shots to target Omicron subvariants BA.4 and BA.5. Yeah. The new boosters could be rolled out this fall. Okay. That's coming right up. Okay. But are currently limited to mRNA vaccine boosters developed by Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech collaborations. Mm. You know, that one we, mm-hmm. we, a lot of us got. These companies are now racing against time to test new products and generate the millions of doses needed to supply the FDA's planned fall booster campaign. Mm. That's good. That's just That's good. kind of a public service announcement. It right is. And, and the thing is, because of COVID, because the, the race to find a vaccine, the protocols are, it seems to me, more streamlined hopefully as effective in detecting any issues that have anything to do with these vaccines. But the good news, it feels like they're getting better and better about development and deployment of these vaccines. Yep. And in more COVID news from the covid side, <laughs> from the Ohio Capitol Journal, Ohio politicians advanced an effort to place anti-vaccination language onto the general election ballot. If passed, Iowa, Ohio, sorry, did I say Iowa the first time? No, you said Ohio. Ohio. If passed, Ohio would become the only state in the nation with an explicit ban of vaccine mandates in its constitution. In its constitution? Yeah. Oh, for the love of God. It would mark a major step backward for public health. 
dampen the already sluggish COVID-19 vaccination effort in Ohio and nix a practice of mandating vaccination that traces back through early American history. Because we've been vaccinating people since the early days. Yes. The Ohio Ballot Board, a bipartisan panel controlled by Republicans, allowed organizers of the medical right to refuse amendment to begin gathering 443,000 voter signatures required to place the referendum on the ballot. Organizers say they're hoping to put the issue to voters in May 2023. I guess that's the earliest, which isn't that far off. No. The proposal covers all vaccines. Oh, my God. Not just COVID-19. Nathan, can I, I want to ask your permission for something that it's I'm going to cuss. say. Are you going no, to and I'm not going to cuss. But I'm, 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 I'd like your blessing uh-huh. for this particular thought that I have. All right. I hope that these people get COVID. Yeah. I, hope, I don't hope that they die. I don't want them to die. I hope they get whatever variant is rolling through town, and uh-huh. I hope they get it. And I hope it causes erectile dysfunction. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And that's it. That's the only lasting after effect of this. I hope that's what happens to them. I approve. (laughs) From the Washington Post, an unusual spate of lightning has ignited more than 50 new wildfires in Alaska. They're having a tough time in Alaska. Yes, they are. Worsening air quality, spurring communities to prepare to evacuate and exacerbating an already historic fire season in the state. Mm -hmm. More than 2.4 million acres have burned across Alaska this year. That's a million acres, 2.4 million. As of Wednesday, more than 200 fires are actively burning across the state, straining firefighting resources. Wildfire smoke has worsened air quality over the central and eastern interior, and the western Yukon Territory. A combination of favorable weather and long-term warming has allowed far more acreage in Alaska's southwest region to burn than in any year previously on record. Well, this is in keeping with the last few years. Siberia's been on fire. The the northern regions of the planet have been on, on fire for a number, now two or three seasons. And by the way, this is not usual. This is not something that, oh, this is, this is what nature does to rehabilitate itself or to, no, this uh-uh. isn't. This is not. This is climate damage writ large. Yep. Speaking of that climate damage writ large, from the Journal of Hydrometeorology, the atmosphere over much of the U.S. has grown a lot thirstier over the last 40 years. Drought is typically thought of as a simple lack of rain and snow, but evaporative demand, a term describing the atmosphere's capacity to pull moisture from the ground, is also a major factor. To measure how atmospheric thirst has been changing, a new study examined five data sets covering 1980 to 2020 that include temperature, wind speed, solar radiation, and humidity, all of which contribute to evaporative demand. They found that with a one to two degree rise in temperature, we're getting much larger increases in evaporative demand. The biggest U.S. increases occurring over southwestern states. In the Rio Grande region, the atmosphere had an eight to 15 percent increase 
of more water annually in 2020 than it did in 1980. That's a lot more water up there. The water is vaporizing instead of quenching crops and filling aquifers. Three inches of rain doesn't go as far as it used to, said the uh, lead researcher. The atmosphere wants a bigger sip. That's a great point, and I hadn't thought about it in those terms, that it's evaporating. That's, that is huge, yep. what you just said. That's very, very significant in my mind. Uh, does it, it feels also like it has been windier over the last couple of years. I don't That's know. That's what they're saying. They're yeah. saying a combination of all thinking, those things. I've been saying this, this, this last six months. I've been sort of, because I, I tend to go to the, you know, walk around the beach and things. And it just feels like it's windier more often than I remember it being. So there you go. Yeah, one of the researchers said it's like looking at a, a good day to dry your laundry. All those things, if it's a little breezy, if it's warm, right. uh, and, and just drier air in general. And that's what evaporative demand well, there you go. means. From the Texas Tribune, public schools in Texas would describe slavery. They would describe slavery to second graders as involuntary relocation under new social studies standards proposed to the state's education board. Involuntary relocation. You know, I mean, we can, I'll just rail about that, those use of words, but what do you say after that? Yeah. In other words, <laughs> so we say, oh, well, these, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Africans, African-Americans were involuntarily relocated. Millions. Millions. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Millions. You're right. And what's the next sentence? For me, right? Oh, no, I'm just saying, this and just if this is what you're, you're teaching. Yeah, I say, if you're teaching that. Yeah, what's, what do we just say after that? They, they liked it. Yeah. They were, boy, they were okay with it. Um, what? And it's bad enough that they're yeah, yeah. trying to mask what slavery is using this term. But. Well, it sounds like you're, you're moved your job from Van Nuys to Santa Fe Springs. Right, you know, right. Well, because Boeing moved their plant from Van Nuys to, yeah. you know, so you involuntarily, because you didn't do it on, on your own initiative, yeah. moved to Van Nuys instead of Burbank or whatever. No. Uh, a group of nine educators submitted the idea to the State Board of Education as part of Texas's effort to develop new social studies curriculum. Oh, okay. The once-a-decade process updates what children learn in the state's nearly 8,900 public schools. Board member Ica Davis, a Democrat who represents Dallas and Fort, Fort Worth, raised concerns that the term was, that wasn't a fair representation of slave trade. Well, yeah. The board sent the draft back for revision, urging the educator group to carefully examine the language used to describe events. Do you know when... They, when they're being awfully polite. Do, do you know... I, yeah, WTF is yeah. kind of what you say you know, with yeah. involuntary relocation underlined exclamation points on either side. Get your shite together. Right. Well, again, the Africans... You who racist were, MFs. The, the Africans who were sold into slavery and uh -huh. transported across the ocean to... England, Europe, America, wherever, in the millions died. Not before they got here. There are the... The, the process of moving them across the ocean the way they were... There were millions yeah, yeah. of people that perished in 
boat accidents, boat sinking, whatever it is, died on the boat. Millions of people died. The board is considering curriculum changes one after Texas, one year after Texas passed a law to eliminate topics from schools that make students feel discomfort. <laughs> Good God. Bring me back the days of uncomfortable. I didn't mind my uncomfortableness. It teaches us things, I think. Yeah. I think that's kind of part of the idea. If, if you are uncomfortable with a fact of history, yeah. then maybe you should do something about the history, not cover your ears. Exactly right. By the way, if you ever want to know if a, a new story is going to be good or bad, if the first four words you hear are Texas Board of Education, uh -huh. it's going to be a bad story. <laughs> the state's public education system has become heavily politicized in recent years with lawmakers passing legislation to dictate how race and slavery should be taught in schools and conservative groups are pouring huge amounts of money into school board races. Oh, so they're shaping things so we don't feel any discomfort when we learn that... You, you said this to me a, a, a couple of months ago. Yeah. And, you know, that, that we're talking, I think we were talking in general about the Trump administration and the Republicans and their policies and stuff. And you said what I what I could not agree with more. And that is all of the things that are going on right now just make it harder for us to actually address things that matter moving forward. It puts us that much further behind in addressing the things that are going to impact our society and us as humans. And it makes it harder. And this is the kind of stuff that I think fits into that category. Well, and also brings on the old uh, pendulum swing, too, where you go too far in the other direction. Yeah. This is ridiculous. From The Guardian. You know that paper, right? Mm -hmm. Good paper. Yeah. Good paper. Fossil hunters have traced the rise of dinosaurs back to the freezing winters dinosaurs endured while roaming around the far north with a covering of fuzzy feathers. Fuzzy feathers. Fuzzy feathers. <laughs> fuzzy I saw feathers. that. I saw that was a really good British comedy. That was With really a covering of fuzzy feathers <laughs> yes, to help keep them warm. The dinosaurs were better able to cope uh -huh. and to take advantage of new territories when brutal conditions wiped out other more vulnerable creatures. Uh -huh. That's what they did. Uh -huh. They wore their feathers. They were warmer. Mm -hmm. That's why dinosaurs ruled the earth. That's why. Feather boas. <laughs> uh. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From our good friend Michael Hiltzik at Los Angeles Times. You remember Michael? The great journalist Michael Hiltzik. Yeah, he's always saying good stuff. One of the more prolific writers in our country, and the only reason I subscribe to the LA Times. Are you, um, you're not a newspaper guy. You don't get the, I'm sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> I don't get the paper edition get, of the Los Angeles Times. I get the, the digital version, yes. Okay. 
Is that okay? That's yeah. why you need to know. Well, I need to know these things. I thought you were going to know. Because in case I'm driving in your neighborhood and I yeah. haven't got my paper yet, I'll know. Oh, I see. Yeah, You're I need the to one know. that was taking yeah, the papers. Well, shh. If Republicans continue to represent the National Rifle Association and are unwilling to take action against gun violence, maybe the market can step in. I like that. That's the idea behind legislation being considered in several states, including California, to require gun owners to carry liability insurance. Only one such law has been passed so far by the city of San Jose, which was, seen, which was the scene of a mass shooting at a regional rail yard in May 2021, where 12 people died. It enacted an insurance mandate in February, even before the city ordinance was passed, it came under attack from gun rights advocates. Their lawsuit seeking to invalidate the ordinance is currently before U.S. Judge Beth Freeman of San Jose. The ordinance requires all gun owners to carry liability insurance, specifically covering losses or damages resulting from any accidental use of the firearm including but not limited to death, injury, or property damage. That's the language. The ordinance also imposes an annual fee expected to be about $25 on gun owners to fund a municipal program for gun harm reduction. Measures like San Jose's have several goals. The most obvious is to provide that gun owners, rather than victims of shootings or the public, bear the cost of gun violence. Another is, in effect, to outsource the regulation of gun safety to the private market and to do so in ways that are immune from constitutional challenges. To show how insurance can serve as a private regulatory function, the San Jose Ordinance states that auto insurance used premiums to reward good driving and incentivize use of airbags and other safety features, contributing to a reduction of auto fatalities per mile by nearly 80% from 1967 to 2019. Can we start calling these people who are radical Second Amendmentist? Second Amendmentist? Second Amendmentists. Can we start calling them mass shooting advocates? Mass shooting advocates? Kind of, it doesn't roll off the tongue. No, it doesn't, but it yeah. feels right. Okay. Yeah. Mass shooting advocates. Well, in the... Uh, zeitgeist in the understanding yes. of political culture yes. in these times. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If I'm a baby killer, they're a mass shooting advocate, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <sighs> From Los Angeles Times again, in the 1980s, we're going to turn the page on that mm. ugliness. Mm. Although it has to do with driving here. In the late 1980s, the U.S. Army turned to outside experts to study how pilots of Apache attack helicopters were responding to the torrent of information streaming into the cockpit on digital screens and analog displays. Mm -hmm. And they weren't responding very well. It's a lot of information. A lot of information. It was information overload. The uh, cognitive overload caused by all that information was degrading performance and raising the risk of crashes, the researchers determined. Cognitive psychologist David Strayer was among those called in to help the Army with its Apache program or problem. 
Since then, he has watched as civilian cars and trucks have filled up to an even greater extent with the same sorts of digital interfaces that trained pilots with honed reflexes found so overwhelming. Touchscreens, interactive maps, nested menus, not to mention ubiquitous smartphones. In his lab at the University of Utah, he's been documenting the deadly consequences. Everything we know from pilots being overloaded, we can apply to motor vehicles. We are instrumenting uh, the car in a way that is overloading the driver, just like we were overloading the helicopter pilot, said Strayer. And he's the director of the university's Center for the Prevention of Distracted Driving. There you go. And voice control instrumentation, you're wondering about that? I it was. doesn't seem to help. No. The ability to control features like air conditioning and music playlists with voice commands theoretically improves safety by letting drivers keep their eyes on the road. But with the technology still a work in progress, scientists are learning it can be just as dangerous as fiddling with a smartphone. Although people know talking or texting on the phone while driving is dangerous, the options offered on a car's dashboard offer a false basis for complacency. But, member, but makers, smartphones, and automobiles largely have ignored all this research, persistently adding popular but deadly diversions. After decades of falling fatality rates, U.S. roads have become markedly more dangerous in recent years. In 2021, motor vehicle crashes killed nearly 43,000 people. That's up from 33,000 in 2012, which yeah. was a 16-year high. Wow. And people are blaming it on different things, but uh, I agree on this distracted driving thing. I think that's a good it, point. People have distracted walking. Right. <laughs> people are generally distracted. Yeah. Got anything? Are you dis distracted? Uh, I'm, well, I'm distracted apparently right now. I was gonna, Yeah. yeah I, no, I, I would say one other contributing factor, and not to take anything away from this story, and that is cars have become so much more... Uh, adept at at accelerating and braking that I think it gives uh, drivers a false sense of what they are capable of doing on the road. And I do think that is somewhat of a contributing factor. Cars are yeah. just better. They're better engineered and they're, they're better at, like I said, accelerating, decelerating and things and people get cocky. And I think that is also part of this equation. Yeah, you see some people out there that really have no idea how to drive a car with cars that are high-performance. Exactly, exactly, yes, mm. yes. From the LAist, Los Angeles City officials have temporarily closed a stretch of Griffith Park Drive, which cuts through the heart of the park, eliminating car traffic in an effort to improve safety for cyclists, runners, hikers, and equestrians. Mm. The pilot program marks a major effort by Los Angeles, the car capital of the world, as you know, right? mm -hmm. to reclaim some public roadways for bikes and pedestrians. With the park's car-free road, L.A. joins other major cities, including San Francisco, Santa Barbara, and New York City, that have closed off stretches to motor vehicles. Many of the changes were intended to address an influx of residents seeking outdoor recreation and commerce amid pandemic lockdowns and social distancing regulations. In April, San Francisco closed most of John F. Kennedy Drive and Golden Gate Park, and even before the pandemic, officials in New York City made a major chunk of Central Park car-free in 2018. Good. 
What these things do is they make these recreational spaces feel a lot more welcoming for folks on foot, folks on bikes, and so forth. Well, they were a workaround, right? They were a workaround when there was heavy traffic on the five or something like that. Yeah, exactly. This was according to Michael Manville, an urban planning professor at UCLA's Luskin School of Public Affairs. He also said it's to accentuate the park's original purpose as a respite away from the noise and activity of the city. Amen. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, Mahler, he'll oh, tell you well, tell well, you all about the respite Mahler. of a park. Yeah. No, don't, yeah. Yeah. Don't get him started. That uh, Griffith Park is where he met the love of his life. Really? Yeah. What happened, Mahler? Yeah. He doesn't like to talk about it. Oh, wow. okay. Wow, I'm surprised. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't usually. Well, you shouldn't talk to her about it. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't yeah. say that thing about her, man. <laughs> Mahler. Mahler. He's a nasty guy. He can be. Yeah, yeah he really is capable. Never heard such language. Oh, you know. It hurt him, you know. He did. Sorry, Mahler. <laughs> From the New York Times. Dementia cases are climbing along with an aging world population and yet another much-anticipated Alzheimer's medication, Crenizumab, I haven't even heard of such a thing, has proved ineffective in clinical trials, the latest of many disappointments. Public health experts and researchers argue that it's time to focus on eliminating a dozen or so already known modifiable risk factors like untreated high blood pressure, hearing loss, and smoking, rather than on exorbitantly, exorbitantly priced new drugs. Yeah. Using data from the Health and Retirement Study, the researchers estimated that 1.8%, about 100,000 cases, could have been prevented through healthy vision, just being able to see straight. That's a small percentage, but it's only one example and represents an easy fix. Mm -hmm. That's because eye exams, eyeglass prescriptions, and cataract surgery are relatively inexpensive and accessible. The influential Lancet Commission began leading the modifiable risk factor movement in 2017. Nice. I had no idea. Mm -mm. Panel of doctors, epidemiologists, and public health experts reviewed and analyzed hundreds of high-quality studies to identify nine risk factors accounting for much of the world's dementia. High blood pressure? Check. So don't, uh, are you saying you've got it? No, I'm Check. not saying got that. Got that. Got that. So <laughs> cut down your salt? Uh, salt? Yeah. Okay. Salt is horrible for high blood pressure. Oh, right. That alone. Yeah. Uh, lower education levels <laughs> can actually bring on dementia. Yeah. Because it, it has to do with engaging with the world. That's right. A lot of the times. That's right. Impaired hearing. That too, engaging with the world. Smoking, obesity, depression, physical activity, diabetes, and low levels of social contact. The commission calculated that 40% of dementia cases worldwide could theoretically be prevented or delayed if those factors were eliminated. I agree. I agree with them. Why would hearing and vision loss contribute to cognitive decline? Well, we already said a neural, systems maintain, a neural system maintains its function through stimulation and sen from sensory organs. That's right. Without that stimulation, there will be a dying out of neurons, a rearrangement of the brain. Hearing and vision loss could affect cognition by limiting older adults' participation in physical and social activity. Yep. If you can't see what you're doing... 
you probably won't do it. Yeah, and again, I think just what you described, you start to shut down. Things that you used to rely on become less and less effective. And once that world becomes smaller and smaller, your brain is not left with a whole lot to do except, in a manner of speaking, cannibalize itself. That's my opinion. That's depressing. From the Grand Junction, Colorado Daily Sentinel. Where? The Grand Junction, Colorado. Colorado. Oh, Grand Junction. Daily Sentinel. Right down the road from Rifle, Colorado. Really? Right down the road. That's the the airport we used to fly into. You went down to Grand Junction? We flew into Grand Junction and drove up to uh, the garden spot of Colorado Rifle. Is it bleak in, in Rifle? It's pretty bleak. There's the Colorado River runs right through Rifle, so it, it there actually it just yeah it washes just, the it town just, away. About every couple of years, they have to rebuild the place. Right? Yeah, it's pretty. But anyway, it yeah, it literally right through the middle of the town, there is the Colorado River. So there is vegetation on each side. Yeah, but the rest of it's kind of a barren landscape of uh, of unhappy people. Why are they unhappy? They're in Rifle, Colorado. What would you? What, what would you, how you, you feel about that? like you know, <laughs> the snake chewing its own tail. Well, it is. How'd they get it out is. of there? You know, Rifle got its name because somebody leaned a rifle up against a tree somewhere in the middle of while they were killing Indians or something. And really? Yeah, that's how it got its. You're name. just making up the killing. Well, you know, l- let's do the math, okay? Rifle Colorado. Yeah, it's Rifle Colorado. And they leaned their rifle up against the tree. After they got done killing some well, Indians. Damn. Damn, I'm That's tired. That's a nice name for a town. Let's call it Rifle. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. You have any other little factoids about <laughs> Rifle? Lauren, Lauren Boebert is their congressperson. Yeah. yeah. So I don't That's think you crazy. need to know a whole lot more than that. What you been doing? It's crazy stuff. <laughs> Did uh, she put out some tweet? Oh, I don't even want to get into. I don't. You're talking no, about Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene. No, She's her too. They're, they're the two, two of them. But that's yeah. another whole. Yeah, the gruesome twosome of the, of the uh, United States Congress. But n- no, Lauren Boebert. For those who don't know, we've talked about it on the show. Uh, how she came to fame was she opened up a bar that was called Shooter's Grill, uh-huh. and it eventually became a bar and a restaurant and etc. And the distinguishing characteristic is all of the help carries around sidearms. They're all strapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this brought a lot of people in from Rifle, Colorado. It became very popular, and she beat a four-term sitting Republican congressman in a primary a few years ago and is now crazier than a March hare. Mm-hmm. And she's now, she's now one of our leaders in Congress. Was there something about not wearing a gun that these people were against? You know, I mean, did they go to the restaurant and no, it's somebody just, said, well, you can't wear that gun it, in here? I just think they saw too many John Wayne movies. I, I don't know exactly. Uh, just the idea of guns. It's just the idea of guns. It was mm. to own the libs, I'm sure. Some of it had to do with that. The rich tradition in, in Colorado of killing Indians and being strapped. You know, all those kinds of things, you know. Boy, oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, from Grand Junction, Colorado, Daily Sentinel. Mm-hmm. The operator of a Colorado funeral home mm-hmm. who was accused of stealing body parts and selling them to medical and scientific buyers, making hundreds of thousands of dollars in what authorities called an illegal body part scheme. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. Illegal. I want to know what it is that they're selling. Yeah. She pleaded guilty yeah. to mail fraud. Yeah. Apparently, they were shipping these things. 
in the mail. What the hell? The woman, Megan Hess, 45, the principal figure in the illegal body parts scheme, was assisted by her mother, Shirley Koch, who was in her late 60s. So is this a little mother-daughter operation oh, there? <laughs> little mother-daughter illegal body part scheme. She could face up to 20 years in prison. What Megan are they? Could. Okay. What are they selling, like fingers? On uh, hundreds of occasions, the funeral home operators would sell heads, oh my God. torsos, arms, legs, or entire human bodies. Frequently, they delivered cremated remains to families, telling them they were the remains of their relatives, when in fact they were not. Well, we get really upset when you start effing with the dead. Yeah, you know, I don't see it so much. I don't either. Yeah. I'm, I'm not justifying if you're what with they're anything. Yeah, yeah. with the dead. Yeah, if this is your yeah. sickness, I would. I know. I don't care. You can f with me when I'm gone. I don't yeah. really. What are you gonna do? Yeah, cut know. off my head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ooh. It is. <laughs> is that all you got? Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, but I know. I mean, people very, very upset about people doing that to the dead people. Yeah, yeah I, I know, and I get it, but. I, <laughs> Oh, Mama! Woo! Well, he sees ghosts. There's a little bit of said about this whole thing. You know that famous peanut vendor at Dodger Stadium? You know what I mean? The, oh, absolutely. The guy that tosses them a mile? I, I met I, I talked to him. Oh, yeah, I've talked to him, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, if you've been to Dodger Stadium yeah, enough, yeah. you know this guy. He's on the load section. Yes, he is. And, That's right. Uh, his name's Roger Owens. Yes. He can take a bag of peanuts and throw it behind his back like yeah. forever. Yeah. I mean, he, he, hits, he hits his target. Yeah. And the guy's been doing it for like 50 yeah. years, right? I mean, some crazy. I was standing uh, uh, on the concourse, and I was, just happened to be next to him because he was loading up yeah. to, go, to go hit the crowd. Uh, he just restocked. Yeah, you know, it is, so it's, and you know, uh, I said, yeah, like a bag of peanuts, I said. You know, so did him, you run like 50 I hands? hand him the money, and he said, <laughs> okay. Back up. Back up. Okay. Yeah. And I, so I, I backed up a little bit. And, he's, and he kept saying, go, go. Keep backing up. And I was about 60 feet away. About 60 feet away. And that's when he threw me a behind the pass, yes, behind the back, perfect strike. It yeah. just, whoop. And it wasn't like, you know, terribly fast, but it was a perfect pitch. It was yeah. just beautiful. It's yeah. like, like a nice off-speed slider, you know, just whoop. I, I don't, right at my stomach. I don't think he can hand it. A bag of peanuts to anybody. Well, listen to this. Okay. Maybe. From Los Angeles Times again, Roger Owens, a celebrity peanut vendor who, vendor who has been pitching peanuts at Dodger Stadium for over 60 years, has been told to stop. Oh, no. According to Levy Restaurants, the organization that runs the concessions at Dodger Stadium, the decision was made for the safety oh, of my. the fans. These were flying projectiles. <laughs> Nobody even complained, but they're doing this. Owens has pitched peanuts at presidential inauguration festivities on The Tonight Show and in two movies and three television series. His wedding guests, when he got married, included Tom Bradley, then the mayor of Los Angeles, and Don Sutton, the Dodgers Hall of Fame pitcher. He's pitched peanuts since the stadium opened in 1962. And before that, he was at the Coliseum pitching peanuts. Old fans urge him to show off his tricks like you and I. Adults buy a bag just so Owens can toss it to yes, their kids. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And this is him talking. I've always, uh, I'm always wanting to make sure that whoever I'm throwing to will catch the bag of peanuts. Right. I want them to catch it because they feel a sense of accomplishment. 
And I'm so heartbroken by this, he said. Yeah. For goodness sakes. Yes, for goodness sakes. He's been doing this for over 60 years, and no one's been hurt by it. And you're at a ball game where people are hitting balls 100 miles an hour into the stands. (laughs) I am trying to imagine what sort of damage could be done by a four-ounce bag of peanuts to somebody. I I mean, mean, seriously. Freakish accident. It might hit you in the eye. But the deal is, is... He's throwing it into a crowd down the road. Everybody knows it's him. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the peanuts coming in. <laughs> exactly. And people are trying to catch it for you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's madness. Absolute yeah. madness. And I don't want to hear anybody call in or anybody email saying, you have no idea what, you know, whatever. Stop you have no it. idea what sort of damage a peanut, a bag of peanuts yeah, can do. Yeah, yeah, yes. Thank you for finishing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, come on. He's a great guy, too. He's oh, gotta, he is. He's, he's got to be sweet guy. He's got to be 80. He's 80, yeah. yeah. He's 80. I want to say he's 79, 80, something like that. God. And, and he's just... Crush I him. I mean, you can tell yeah. that this is what he... he does, brings him to life, and it brings everybody else to life, too. He just spreads the joy. To, to your point, he is a humble person. I've watched him. He, there's no fanfare around him walking down the aisle to uh-uh. do what he does. He's just like every other vendor in the stadium... Except that you know who he is. Yeah. That we know because we've been going to Dodger And you State. know, you know, if he's like 20 seats away and you pass down your you, five bucks or whatever to get your bag of peanuts, he's going to toss it all the way to you and it's just going to be a perfect pitch. It's, that's, that's a harsh story. And finally, from The Independent. After Boris Johnson announced he was resigning... As British Prime Minister, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in Blackpool, England, took their wax sculpture of a grinning Johnson with his hands on his hips and his foppy haircut to a local job center, presumably so he could find a new job. (laughs) You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.